Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Heman. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Welcome back to a brand new episode of India Fintech Diaries. In our last episode, we spoke with Ankit Singh on the Open Credit Enablement Framework, or OKEN. OKEN promises to transform lending in India. And if you would like to know more about this new framework, do listen to our previous episode. I'm your host, Elroy. And I'm Hemant. As we continue to look at the digital lending ecosystem in India, in today's episode, we look at platforms that help connect borrowers and lenders. To help us understand more about this space, I'm pleased to welcome Bank Kachwaha, co-founder and COO of India Lens. Welcome to India Fintech Diaries, man. Thank you for having me here, Amen. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Mayank, you have had a, quite the journey uh, from developing risk and fraud models for lending to co-founding one of the most interesting platforms in the space. Can you walk us down the memory lane and talk about yourself a bit and also the genesis of India Lens? As for my background, I actually uh, graduated out of IIT Madras. I'm a mechanical engineer and I was hired into Capital One, which is a pretty large bank based in the US. And so I got into banking because of that. And I think I spent about six years actually with Capital One across various functions, right? Like you mentioned, I started out with fraud strategy, then did some credit underwriting and then small business uh, lending and looked at strategy overall for that. And then looked at credit risk management and a very sort of broad overview of the UK business of Capital One, which was quite interesting, by the way. We had about a three billion pound outstanding book, entirely subprime, right? Average credit limits on credit cards were about 200 pounds, which is Okay. Very small, right? So, I mean, got a very close look at, uh, you know, deep subprime credit. From that, I think at that point, and this is, you know, I spent six years, so 2014, I was looking to move back. And, you know, my co-founder Gaurav had worked with me at Capital One in the UK and had already moved back. So he was sort of looking at starting in India and he had sort of had a stint with a small P2P lending startup in India. And, you know, we thought that there was a lot of opportunity in India. We did not have exact clarity on what we were going to do. You know, the broad theme was that we wanted to use Capital One style analytics and data understanding to be able to uh, help in lending in India. Right. I think that's the broad view that we came in with. I actually moved back in around July in 2014 and around September, we sort of started coming up with a thesis of uh, P2P lending in India. Right. So our research started with P2P lending, spoke to a lot of people right from the regulators to large banks to some people that we knew, uh, you know, that were starting up at that time uh, in India, in uh, lending especially and in fintech in general. I think general overall view that we got about India was that, you know, India didn't seem to have a supply problem or I mean, India anyways doesn't have a demand problem, right? When it comes to credit, there is a lot of demand for credit in this country. I think in the beginning, very early, we realized that, you know, it wasn't even a supply problem that, you know, banks were sitting on a lot of liquidity willing to deploy. But the initial problem that we got attracted to was that uh, the cost of origination for most banks for, you know, small ticket loans, which is where most of India wants to borrow, right? Most of India wants to borrow sub 1 lakh rupee loans. But most banks in India at that point were lending like 3, 4 lakh average ticket size loans because that's where the economics made sense for them. 
and so for us the thesis was that how do i actually reduce the cost of origination and improve underwriting for these guys right and I'm, when i'm saying improve underwriting not only from a technology cost perspective but actually prediction perspective and how do i actually help financial institutions improve that and you know we can then try and enter the smaller ticket segment in india which is where the vast majority like so i think that's that's how we sort of came upon the idea of us forming a platform that works with financial institutions on one side and obviously borrowers consumers on the other side and try and help the financial institutions manage right right from technology to underwriting but bring down the cost of origination to a point and improve underwriting to a point that they are able to then start focusing on you know those 50000 ticket size loans as opposed to you know their 3 lakh typical that they were doing until then that's very interesting mayank uh, i love to unpack some of what you just mentioned about uh, india lens and your thesis for our listeners maybe you could tell us a little more about the platform itself and how does someone use india lens to say for example to find a lender on the borrower side right and i think we are entirely consumer lending focused and when i'm saying consumer you know our focus is entirely personal loans and an individual who's even self employed can borrow on our platform but we don't focus on businesses as such right so for most of these guys what we do as a strategy and we were the first ones to actually do this in india is uh, offer free credit report right this is something that we had seen you know in the us and we'd seen that you know the free credit report play actually works out really well on the consumer side so our thesis has been that we offer free credit reports and analysis on that to customers on the one side now on the back of that right and we have up close to about 6 7 million customers right now that actually uh, take the service from us every month right so we refresh their credit reports every month on the one side these are those customers and the other side what we do is we go to lenders and we try and build pre approved programs and when i'm talking about pre approved programs given that i already have access to bureau information can i actually you know run credit policies for different lenders and actually offer loans or pre approved pre qualified loans to some of these customers in a very seamless manner right and the idea behind the seamless is that you know we own the entire transaction and so we actually make sure that the customer is able to complete the entire transaction we're able to even if fulfillment is involved we're able to do it from a lender perspective uh, we actually own that part of entire uh, disbursement cycle right typically what happens is a lender comes in we code a pre approved policy for them on our side and then we start offering that product to our customer base the existing customer base that is getting refreshed on credit reports and you know reach out to those customers whoever is interested we actually make the transaction happen all seamlessly in some cases entirely digital wherever possible and where it's not possible uh, you know because of regulatory challenges we even get involved in you know the physical leg of fulfillment but we own that transaction so both sides of the table we actually try and play a part in making sure that we're converting the transaction and helping the borrower on the one side and the lender on the other side that's pretty interesting actually and uh, i think the other interesting part uh, that i uh, noticed from what you just explained right is how you also offering value added services to both banks and uh, other lenders that you deal with uh, that actually goes way beyond uh, just connecting them to an borrower So I'm just curious, what's the what's the kind of revenue model that uh, a platform such as yours operates on? Uh, is it typically some kind of a finder's fee for each uh, loan that you manage to get uh, to the borrower, or other other elements of that? So it is. I mean, I think in the simplest form, it you could uh, call it finder's fee, but that finder's fee varies. So here's what we realized, and I will give you a little bit of context here. You know, when we first came in, 
we realized that a lot of the smaller financial institutions, right? And I'm talking small, I'm still talking, you know, maybe 5,000 to 10,000 crore books that have sort of, you know, NBFCs that have never ventured in retail lending. Those guys did not seem to have technology, the analytics, the fulfillment, the brand to be able to attract a certain type of customer, right? And therefore, that certain type of customer would always end up going to some of these larger lenders, right? The large private sector banks and some of the larger NBFCs. So for them, what we decided was that we we were going to offer a full suite of services. So now the way this commercial is structured is if I am offering a full suite of services, then obviously there is incremental commission or uh, price point that sort of I asked for from the lender for each transaction that happens. But if I, let's say I am just introducing one borrower to a lender and I don't do much else, you know, the fee is much lesser, but it's still final fee. So in the... The, we get paid when the loan gets originated, but it can go pretty high depending on how much we do for the lender uh, in the entire cycle. It sounds like you built a, f- a very fabulous product there, Mayank. But I'm sure when you started off uh, initially in the initial days, you must have faced a lot of pains while scaling the platform. And this is especially because in this kind of a platform, you're actually building a, a bridge where you're trying to match both demand and supply. Yeah. So it becomes kind of like a chicken and egg problem that uh, do you have enough... Uh, uh, borrowers on your platform to attract lenders and vice versa. True. So what are some of the top three challenges that you faced in the early days? Uh, very interesting question, right? So in the beginning, you know, what we were surprised with was, and I think I mentioned earlier as well, you know, there is no shortage of demand in this country. And to, to our surprise, you know, without any marketing, we had just launched our website. You know, we started receiving applications on the first day. I mean, we were quite shocked. What we realized was that, you know, we were getting a lot of customers but all those customers are not very high quality, right? Now, I think like right. there is a clear chicken and egg here. You know, what do I go after first? One of the biggest challenges that we faced early on, and we even considered, you know, actually uh, getting our own NBFC to solve for one, was, you know, the supply side problem. Do I solve the supply side problem or do I solve the demand side problem? But thankfully, because of our credit report model, we were actually able to scale up on the demand side pretty quickly. And the CAC for some of those customers very, very low as compared to, you know, someone who's looking for a personal loan in the market. So because of that, we were actually able to scale up the demand side while continuing to work on the supply side, right? And I think that is the second layer of challenge, which is, I think, a credibility issue more than anything else, right? Because we just come in and I think to convince lenders that we knew what we were talking about and then, you know, we were able to do this end-to-end and we were able to run some of this end-to-end we actually had to do a lot of convincing, I think, knock on a lot of doors. We found some very, very small NBFCs in some corner in Delhi to start working with us just to get some transaction volume through. And I think it took us maybe a year, year and a half to build some credibility with, you know, one large financial institution, for example, right? When they finally came and said, you know, I want to now uh, let you run the entire process for me. So I think that second layer of challenge actually was pretty challenging and I think continued to be, right, in that sense. Building credibility, I think, especially in lending businesses, it definitely takes time, right? Because loans have cycles, 12 months, 24 months. Everybody wants to see performance data. They want to see how we're doing. They want to see uh, the volume that the platform can do. So I think building credibility with lenders was actually the second hardest part. And I think, uh, you know, maybe the third one is obviously, I think it's, you know, across all startups. But I think building a you know pretty solid team, especially a team that sort of had experience on uh, you know data analytics or like the financial services, where right. you know, 
focus was heavy on data analytics was pretty tough in the beginning i mean luckily we found some ex capital one folks who sort of agreed to join us and work with us those i'd say maybe top 3 and i think the number 2 this thing we continue to deal with right every day we go and speak to new lenders and try and onboard them on the platform because from a demand perspective i don't we don't anticipate challenges i think supply especially given india's context and all the liquidity troubles that all of these financial institutions go through you know at one point or another then you right. need to onboard some of those lenders and try to build credibility with more and more as we go along so mayank i'm a technology guy at heart and uh, when i look at a platform like yours i cannot help but think that when you are creating such a platform there will be multiple technological challenges and again a technological platform which can survive a certain scale uh, may not survive a scale higher than that that means the platform also needs to be scalable so i am sure you must have faced multiple technological challenges as you build the platform and scale the platform so if you can walk us through uh, that journey and also focus on the digital analytics part a bit and uh, take us a bit deeper into that as well see technology i think you know we continue to face challenges right and i think one of the good things we had early on was that we got you know our cto is someone who had seen scale before so he was actually one of the early guys at sulekha right and he had seen sulekha scale up from almost nothing to you know like doing a lot of revenue and this is you know early days of the internet right i think we got lucky in terms of you know understanding scalability and from we got someone who understand scalability but we continue to face problem right you know i even now i'll tell you the number one problem we face is that we have over 60 lenders and while i'm making this number up i am sure ballpark i'm right we would have at least 1000 api integrations wow sources and maintaining managing those all the time it gets quite hard sometimes right especially if something starts to break right mm. and you know we have data coming in from all bureaus we have data coming in from you know platforms like popios we have data coming in from platforms like let's say verification done through a platform uh, on, uh, using nsdl data and just the range of data things would be we have would go in let's say hundreds and then we have all of these lenders right and we have multiple partnership with lenders and each lender has their own flavor of apis and i think yeah. you know later in the conversation maybe we touch upon you know what really okin and account aggregator framework do you know what we've done in the last 5 years is you know dealt with and each lender right you realize each bank has their own system legacy system new system they have a way of working they have their own apis they sometimes have salesforce apis and everyone has a different way of working right and to the customer it does not matter right it has to be seamless yeah. i think managing the different things that all of that and sort of making it as modular as possible to be able to plug and play and being able to offer that seamlessly to customers is something that you know we've had a real tough time doing you know to the extent that actually we've done it so well now that we've actually started offering our apis to some large consumer platforms right and mm-hmm. we are going into our own b2b saas play right you know lending as a service makes sense yeah That yeah, yeah. we have all the plugs to all lenders. We have all policies hosted on our site. You know, you're a large platform. You plug in our APIs, and we are we we'll start making revenue for you and getting your customers loans. I think there is obviously uh, technological complexity there, but you know, I think mm-hmm. that sometimes it's more a management headache, right? Just managing the thousands of APIs that are going in, and things are always breaking, right? and then i think the other question you asked about data and the volume of data that we get from some of these things right is 
been another layer of challenge and how do we sort of manage that data and are able to use it real time in making decisions see one of the most important aspects of all of this is this real time pre approval right customer mm, right. comes into the platform and instantly starts to get an offer right now for that we have i don't know hundreds of credit policies running in the background back end right and there are various prioritization logic or there are like a series of prioritization rules that have been built in and those get constantly changed by the way right you know it's a very dynamic world and mm-hmm. what happens is one lender would have a like would have a good offer for you today but tomorrow might be a different day entirely right and there is yeah. a lot of you know dynamic sort of business routing that is happening and on top of that and i mean i think just to add to the complexity we have what we call propensity models right you know mm. not everybody who's come for a credit report is going to want a loan right now right? right right us being able to predict or figure out when the person is likely to take a credit product right any form and we do both credit cards and personal loans and even line of credit is actually super important for us right because that's when we reach out to them with the right offer and that's when we see them converting right otherwise it becomes operational nightmare so there is that yeah. level of complexity being handled right and i think just with the volume of data i'd say you know thank god for and i'll be very honest with you right i think some of the, the cloud platforms provide some of the you know simplest solutions to some of these scale problems right and i'm sure mm-hmm. even being technology guys you realize that, you know some of these cloud guys have actually really figured out the right way of solving for some of these right there are certain things that are dealt through architecture and the way we sort of deal with it right that's right from, let's say mvp to try and move to microservices and try and solve for these problems and i think you know i've been thank god like i said right thank god for these cloud platforms just providing you know simple services for us to be able to do this otherwise it would be you know an entire team in itself just managing it that's amazing and mayank i think you started as a mechanical engineer but i could really hear uh, <laughs> one the support engineers nightmare that you described and the pain that you would have gone through with your development team it was just coming through to me as well it, it would have been really really tough uh, managing that complexity uh, so mayank on the other side if you look at india india is still a very nascent and underpenetrated market as far as credit is concerned right we have 230 million credit eligible customers about 50 million credit cards and just about 37 million consumers so how do you think a platform like yours can help us increase this retail credit base and increase the financial inclusion in the country like us see this you know this financial inclusion actually you know three layers right and i'm like i'll i'll try and explain it in the you know most simple sort of uh, business way of thinking about it right you know business or banks lenders want to make money from each transaction they do now unfortunately the two three things that finally come in the way is cost to acquire the customer the underwriting or the risk that comes in and the collections infrastructure and you know these three are the biggest problems and obviously i mean you know it's sort of a blanket answer to a lot of questions but these three are quite big problems right when we're looking at bharat and i think if you were to attack it at layers and look at what india lens is able to do our current focus and i think that's what our thesis has been from the beginning you know we want to focus on the two aspects which is how do i bring down the cost of acquisition and i'll explain how we are able to do that right for lenders uh, by giving them solutions that are completely technology enabled right and therefore not only are you able to go reach out to a customer and you know this happens every day right we are doing loans even in jammu and kashmir and even in northeast india 
and even in i mean places like chennai bangalore and rajasthan and i'm talking about tier 3 tier 4 cities right and i'm not talking about a typical tier 1 tier 2 cities it is all because we are able to do it all on the app right now obviously some of this is only uh, happened because of the new regulations that have come in and that have allowed us to do let's say things like okyc for example right uh, in a non okyc world going out to some remote part in rajasthan and i am from rajasthan i will tell you going to some remote part in rajasthan i mean it used to cost us about 1000 rupees right for a document pickup and and that's how the regulation was right that you know you have to meet the person in person to be able to do kyc is known uh, as uh, original seen and verified and i mean you know that some of that has gotten solved and what we are able to do now just because of us owning the customer because of the credit report being able to pre approve the customer right which super important you know the otherwise the difference is very hard to understand if you're not a lender what the benefits of pre approved are because what happens otherwise is that today a large private sector bank would get a million applications in a month right easy i'm guessing easy right i mean we get close to that i'm sure those guys get more than that now sifting through those million applications a month and uh, figuring out who to give credit to there are operational challenges and a lot of l- uh, loans just don't happen because of operational challenges by banks now that inefficiency comes about because you know you have a first filter where the first team you know sales agent on the field will do an initial level of check right and then you have an army of 50000 people for example right out there that is doing this check for you then there is a call center team then there are underwriters right the cost of this entire operation becomes super high now you flip this around and you sort of have a platform that already has information and you're running policies you know you come to a stage where you already know that i am going to approve this guy right and all i need is for him to give me certain information suddenly the cost of all of the individuals uh, you know that were there upstream in the process just goes away and now that gets passed on right and obviously there are double benefits of this right not only am i able to offer credit to people who would have otherwise not got credit but also uh, you know it improves pricing on loans for customers right because where does the benefit go the benefit in that sense starts to go back whatever uh, money saved obviously not all of it but some of it starts to go back to the customer and you know customers start getting lower interest rate products and what not the the idea of us being able to do pre approve enables financial institutions and especially i'm talking about the smaller ones right the ones that otherwise don't have the brand presence or the teams on the ground don't have the technology for them the cost of origination through a platform like india lens because india lens also i think the other part is we operate at scale right so you know the economies of scale of a large platform of a, or a large bank would just come with an internet for some of these smaller uh, financial institutions so one aspect is that right and then there's a second layer of it is obviously underwriting the idea behind underwriting is obviously you know how do i use data best to figure out really early uh, right upstream or sort of you know early in the application process that you know this is a person i am not willing to give a loan to for xyz reasons now i'll give you very simple example right bank statement right and i think again uh, account aggregator framework sort of helps in this in the future but right now what we have is you know we are reading bank statements in a digital format and we're running algorithms on it right simple things like you know if you had a check bounce in the recent last one two months that doesn't show up in the bureau right 
solve right. for a problem that you are able to you know help uh, like underwrite the customer better in a different world what would have happened is you know someone would have asked for a bank statement in physical format and underwriter would have gone through that entire bank statement and try to reconcile you know if that makes sense or not the other problem with that is obviously fraud and that you know if you get some document from the customer you really don't know if you can trust them but if you get data from source right then you are able to confidently say that you know i can trust this data and then therefore my decisions are going to be even more accurate right much better than before so i think broadly those are the two areas that you know i think the focus is on the other part of this which is i think which possibly solves the entire financial inclusion equation in the country is i think on the collection side and upi and payments and uh, what geo has done obviously helps but uh, collections continues to be a problem right collect you know yeah cost of collections goes too high you are again not unwilling to do that loan right and you can't continue to chase the person and cash collection i mean india is india knows right and thing you know cash collection happens it's just super expensive but we still have to do it become super expensive super messy and therefore it's a big deterrent so that part of the problem still needs to be solved and i think there is a angle of uh, customer discipline there but also you know the infra and all of that to for the customer to seamlessly pay back and i think e mandate for example is a great step in that direction that you know you are able to register an e mandate directly in the flow and you are able to get the money and not sort of depend on the old uh, nach uh mandate way of working which i think has its own uh, sets of problems so man the other thing is that uh, this year has actually been pretty terrible thanks to covid right it's probably put a dampener in the growth plans of the digital lending industry uh sitting at india lens you guys must have had a ringside uh, see to the economic effects of the pandemic what kind of trends did you see in the data that you had uh, say in the last 6 months as this entire thing unfolded and where do you think we headed are we headed for a revival soon uh so again i think you know if you were to break the problem down into you know origination and i think delinquencies and collection right two separate parts i think origination yeah. have taken a big hit right from you know in the beginning it was uh, lenders not being able to uh, lend because of actual operational issues not being able to meet the customer lockdown all sorts of things uh, okay. to actually lenders losing confidence because of the moratorium and not willing to lend because they were just plain worried and continue to be worried by the way because of the effects of economic downturn we are seeing and the moratorium and actually what we've seen post moratorium ending also is that risk has come in quite high although in the yeah. in between people thought that risk wasn't going to come in so high but i think you know the actual numbers are turning out to be bad i think in general the mood on origination remains muted right and i think there are two aspects to that one is what i mentioned right that lenders are scared uh the other aspect is you know there is a certain section of demand and i'm being very specific right in my example about personal loans because you know we get a very good view of personal loans home loans and car loans is a different story entirely but from personal loans perspective right you know the low risk demand used to come from uh, a lot of uh, consumers that had high ticket discretionary spend maybe the right word is not discretionary spend but you know things like let's say travel expenses i want to go for a holiday or betting related expenses or home renovation expenses or buying land expenses that sort of spend used to bring in the low risk demand right now that is completely gone away right none of us are actually looking to do any of those things right now and it's starting to come back right starting i mean the green shoot still but starting to come back but if you sort of look back in the last 6 months it had completely gone away now 
demand isn't there and there is a lot of stress related demand you know those people are naturally not eligible for some of the loan products so you know combination yeah. of that is that i think on the origination side everything is still quite muted it's coming back up right and i think our anticipation is that you know by march we would be quite close to uh, at least from a salaried individual perspective i think we might be quite close to origination levels that we saw in feb by march okay. right not not december jan but mostly most likely march self employed segment is affected big time right i think just the losses on that segment payments not coming in all sorts of restructuring happening self employed segment might even take longer to come back given the, you know the hit on the small businesses that we've seen because of covid i think on the origination side i think it's a story that builds up to about march but to be honest you know we are looking much much better than where we were two months i mean last two months have been amazing as come i mean i we would we wouldn't have anticipated this sort of scale up in the last two months we had thought that you know it will be drawn out but it's happening so i think we are quite positive now that i think march numbers coming back to 100% seems quite realistic on the risk side right like i mentioned i think it is uh, it is not a great story i think most nbfcs and you know fintechs and i think data is there out there to suggest is that you know most nbfcs and fintechs have seen a lot of losses i think banks in certain segments are seeing losses but overall the story on delinquency for personal loans is not great is not great at all right and i think that will continue to unravel in the next 5 6 months i mean i don't know what happens with restructuring and the you know second order impact of that but it seems like it is going to take a, a long time for delinquencies to get fixed on old loans so i think it looks more or less like a mixed bag in that case man uh, probably not all doom and gloom maybe some revival in demand yeah. but uh, definitely definitely and uh, watch out for delinquencies at least that's the takeaway i got from what yeah. you just said Uh, you also released a survey recently right on the overall optimistic outlook of indians on this entire space yeah. i believe your survey said that about 77% of indians today are optimistic of economic recovery and business revival in the near future and i think that survey also had a lot of interesting statistics about what we could look forward to in the future uh, could you take us to some of those highlights so i mean i think broadly what we were trying to understand right through that survey was uh, where is demand heading like and i think largely like you mentioned right 77% optimistic but you know there are time frames to that as well i think most people think that it's going to be a 6 to 12 month recovery from now right for the economy yeah. to come back but for themselves i think you know when the questions were sort of asked of them well, that were quite specific in terms of you know are you going to make those sorts of purchases are you going to be uh, let's say taking a loan out for education a lot of them came back and said that yes you know we are keen on taking a personal loan especially for let's say things like you know we want to upskill ourselves i think we saw about 7% that opted you know on our survey that said you know we want to pay for courses that helps us uh, help us in upskilling ourselves i think then we obviously saw an entire uh, range of responses on reasons in terms of you know what they're looking to borrow for right from bending right so the things that i was talking about Uh, discretionary spend the I main or large ticket spend by some of these guys right from weddings you know we're starting to see a lo- uh, lot of weddings start to happen a lot of people started to travel so i think generally what we're seeing is a lot of people are uh, uh, optimistic and uh, they anticipate that they're going to take a personal loan to meet uh, their immediate needs which range from things like depending on themselves and their own education to 
household repairs to actually even travel, right? And I think one interesting trend, and I think we'd anticipated that was uh, uh, people spending a lot more time at home. And therefore, they are super keen to buy things for themselves, you know, like sort of at home. So a lot of borrowing even now. And I think we saw that uh, during the festive sales for some of the large e-commerce guys. A lot of credit was given given out on these platforms for some of these electronics, you know, that are being bought for uh, the household. I think that's an interesting trend that we are seeing that you know people are sort of spending a lot more on their household needs, especially when it comes to electronic goods on these e-commerce platforms. General, I mean, I think overall senses, it's uh, people think it's not all doom and gloom. Actually, people think people are quite optimistic. Uh, it's just maybe spend has either you know sort of stalled for a bit and they might spend later or they are starting to think about spending again or they are spending on different things right like household goods uh, Mike, i was also looking at not only you have been working on your own firm and, uh, and and developing it but you have been very active to support and develop the entire digital lending industry as well and you are a founding member of digital lenders association of india dlai uh, so can you give us a bit on what that organization is and the role it is playing in the ecosystem? See, I think, uh, you know, when we sort of first came together, right, this is, we were, you know, the all, all the early stage lending fintechs back in 2015. What we realized was that, you know, we wanted and what obviously I think the, the solution to the problem large scale was that, you know, we build more and more digital infrastructure for financial institutions. And when we're talking about that, I think there is, a large aspect of it is regulatory in nature. Being able to speak to the regulator and discuss, you know, the problems that we are facing on the ground and, you know, solutions for that and consulting with them, working with large financial institutions and coming up with different sorts of policies. The idea was that we form an association to be able to represent the larger fintech community in some of these discussions. It is. Right. And I think the impact of BLAI has been actually great, right, from, you know, the changes that are coming in to eKYC norms, to vKYC norms, uh, you know, to e-mandates and e-signs. There has, I mean, a lot has happened in the last four or five years. I mean, I would not say that, you know, all the credit goes to us. Obviously, the large banks, regulator, regulators are always already working on it. But I think the idea for us was that, you know, we were doing this on the ground. We had a lot of understanding of what challenges we were facing on the ground. And there is, you know, especially with KYC things, I mean, right from AML concerns to fraud concerns, I think what we were seeing was, you know, there were def definite ways of plugging those gaps by working with the regulator and coming up right sort of approach, right? And the only way that we could have done that is by bringing this large set of people together to be able to brainstorm and come up with, you know, a sort of combined view, right? As opposed to everybody competing for their own view of the world, you know, and I think the one thing that we realized very early was, you know, if we start competing with each other's views in some of these forums, and you know, mm -hmm. nobody's uh, voice gets heard, right? But correct, if you sort of agree on one thing and you decide that, you know, for the overall improvement of uh, the digital lending infrastructure ecosystem, if we know we can all come together and work together and contribute, nothing like that. So I think that was the thesis, and I think we still, to be honest, I think there's a lot more work to be done. But I think it's been a good start. Yeah, yeah, man. I think it's been good stuff. Uh, overall, the organization is working well uh, to support, to solve the problems that industry has 
uh, overall. So, Mayank, over the period, so recently we recorded two episodes, one on account aggregator and one on Oken. And you also touched upon both of them as we were discussing. So can you uh, express your views on how do you see these two things uh, or these two infra plays impacting the industry in the near future? You know, I, you, my my analogy to this is that, you know, India has a way of or tendency to skip things, right? Now, if you were to, you know, compare ourselves to the West, right? Like West, the way financial institutions work is sort of they have something given to them and then they work on that, right? And sort of right. I'm about, let's say, the bureaus. But even to this date, right? And I think, you know, we talk about using banking data uh, in all of our lending decisions. You'd be surprised, and this is obviously my information is maybe slightly dated for Capital One. But for the six years I was there and the 15 years or 20 years Capital One was there before that, not in one credit card approval was banking data used. Now, what obviously what that does is uh, that brings in risk, right? And, obvious, and large financial institutions, I think in the pricing and all of those, you know, at Capital One, we used to account for that. And we would make sure that despite the risk comes in, coming in, I think we sort of account for that and we build models and we start underwriting. Now, India skips all of this and India sort of taken this view. And again, we've taken this view that, you know, we are going to build an entire infrastructure, almost like, you know, what we've done with UPI. That, you know, we don't need credit card. We'll not build that infrastructure, but we'll directly try and see how we can enable bank to bank transfers and enable credit on UPI. I'm sure you're aware of what's happening with UPI 2.0. Yeah. I think our thesis is, and I think, I mean, I, I, I must commend the people who thought about this, right, and understand this, really, they understand this really well. What India really needs, and I think that's what we've been touching upon in this uh, conversation, is uh, solving for how do you deliver credit at scale at low cost, right, and improve underwriting to be able to, and improve collections, right, the three pillars that I was talking about. How do I solve for that? And I think the right answer to that that has come about is this idea of you know account aggregator and okay right and account aggregator i think is similar to open banking in the uk it's something that the uk has already tried and i think quite successful right what that allows a customer to do is be able to in a very seamless way uh, give consent to use their input data for a limited amount of time in a very seamless manner to a financial institution that is willing to underwrite and give credit to them the process becomes quite seamless now because of the process becoming seamless the advantage is what you know let's say a large bank already has of having a savings account base and doing analytics on that suddenly starts to uh, come to a smaller financial institution that is willing to lend to let's say the masses right so i think the idea that you know you are able to bring in all this data together in a very uh, you know it, along with the consent architecture and you are able to help in underwriting is one part of the equation the other part of the equation that we spoke about earlier right was you know all these financial institutions want to link right but their ability to let's say plug into an india lens requires an india lens to do a lot of work right thousands of apm for us to be able to make that happen now, uh, the idea behind Oken is that how do I make, you know, one sort of standardized way of working, right? Where everybody mm. talks the same language. And then where I am at that point, what happens is because, you know, Jio uh, might have a customer in some remote part in Tamil Nadu. And, you know, then Jio will be able to offer using these APIs and this entire infra and the account aggregator framework, 
they then they are able to sort of you know plug into any lender at any point in time all being managed through okay right i still think that it will take a bit of time for all lenders to come on board with this right i think even their uh, tech stacks and what they have you know systems that are you know i think mostly that were mostly built in the 90s they will need a lot of work to uh, sort of come on to these platforms but when they do i think finally the problem of solving for you know uh, financial inclusion which is getting credit to remote part remote parts of india and being able to seamlessly collect money and not having this you know sort of large physical infrastructure that you know large banks need to have today to be able to do collections to be able to do any sort of underwriting will go away and i think that benefit again gets passed on to the customer right in more customers getting access to credit and also uh, getting sort of cheaper prices so i'd say it's early days for oken i think account aggregator might still you know come in sooner but uh, still early days for oken but in its truest form in the in the ideal state i think it will definitely solve you know the financial inclusion problem in india i mean until we find the next problem to solve excellent thanks atang mayank for being part of the show as we close today's show in case any of our listeners wanted to learn more about india lens or use a platform what's the best way to get started i think go to the website uh, download the india lens app actually i think uh, especially if people download the india lens app i think they get to see what we offer right yeah what we offer cuts across especially the credit report product which we've seen wide adoption on becomes a very useful tool for person to sort of manage their personal finances so i'd encourage people to use our app that's it from india fintech diaries for this week do keep an eye out on a brand new website indiafintechdiaries.com for exclusive companion content on topics discussed on the show and until next time stay safe <laughs>